Christchurch, New Malden, 16th of August 2020. Becky Mills speaking on Why I'm Still a Christian. Why I am still a Christian. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Our faith journeys, much like our lives, are an amalgamation of ups and downs. When your spouse asks you, how was your day? You list the highs and the lows, and these daily reflections are a microcosm of life. We all have highs and lows throughout our lives. They're a connection to our shared humanity. We journey through faith-filled, productive and rewarding times, and we go through barren periods plagued by anxiety, doubt and turmoil. Life is a vast and tender balance of ups and downs. Celebrating a triumph is to have struggled. Rejoicing is to have known mourning. Gaining is sometimes losing and healing follows heartache. We look to the heavens and we hear the promises of God both large and small. And God ultimately restores and refreshes us. On that journey of faith, with all its ups and downs, we come to terms with our past selves. We journey on through repentance towards reconciliation and restoration, creating a new future for ourselves, our families, our church, our work colleagues and the wider community. Building the Kingdom of God. The proper activity at the right time, bringing about God's purposes, is a beautiful part of God's overall plan. A tapestry viewed from the back seems a chaotic and unlovely work, but the maker of the tapestry has a wise purpose for the placing of each thread. God has a reason and a time for all things. We may be ignorant of God's timing, but we're called to embrace life, whatever it brings, and trust in God's sovereignty. There is so much wisdom in the saying, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. God is sovereign. Our activity in this world is purpose-filled as we rely on his wisdom, his timing and his goodness. That's why, despite all the downers in life, I'm still a Christian. But does the idea of God's sovereignty actually make it easier to endure difficult and troubling times, like just recently, when the whole world seems to be in meltdown and we find ourselves weighed down by grief at the sudden death of a close friend or family member who we couldn't even say goodbye to? Why didn't God answer our prayers for their recovery? I lost two close friends near the beginning of lockdown. One was a fellow teacher I worked with at Reed School, Christine Kemp, who died after a long four-year battle with cancer. Here is a photograph of us together at a party in Reeds in 2000. She was the kindest person imaginable. She was full of courage and positivity throughout her illness. 
For the first year after her diagnosis, I committed to praying every day for her healing. She went through times of remission, but the cancer persisted. Her greatest wish was to see her son settled with a partner before she died, and God answered that prayer. Christine's son and fiancé, Michael and Ella, are planning their wedding for next summer. Processing the death of Reverend Peter Holmes from COVID-19, though, has been much more difficult. As well as Peter being married to my closest friend and prayer partner, Carol, I worked closely with him for six years as fundraiser at the Joel Community Trust, which he chaired. He was always so full of prayerfulness and compassion. Here is a photo of us taken together with other staff and residents in the night shelter in 2015. Peter is standing directly behind me. The last time I saw him was in the office at KCAH shortly before lockdown. He fell ill with COVID-19 very soon after. The family were desperately praying for his recovery and hundreds of others, but he died nevertheless. I was so convinced he would recover, despite his quickly becoming critically ill and on a ventilator in Kingston Hospital and having a number of setbacks. I even ordered a rainbow garland for Carol to hang up at her window. It arrived after Peter's death. And now you'll be able to see it strung above the Tiddlymint's doorway in memory of him. I went to the farewell party at St Peter's Church last Sunday held for Carol and the church are still grieving deeply for Peter. So how do we keep on journeying at these difficult times without feeling engulfed by anger or assailed by doubt? We expect God to be in control, sorting things out, putting things right. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. We find such feelings in the Psalms, where there are words of complaint, questioning, sorrow, anger, frustration and bitterness. And we need to remember that these feelings and emotions were all part of Jesus' prayer book too. Jesus unveils the true meaning of sovereignty. And the story I've chosen which illustrates this is the account of the death of Lazarus, Lazarus in John 11. It's one of the most poignant passages in the Gospels. Jesus and his followers are heading back to Jerusalem despite their strong suspicion that a tragic fate awaits Jesus there. They come to Bethany Word has already reached them that their friend Lazarus is very sick. Then soon after, he dies. They're all already wondering, why couldn't Jesus, who healed a stranger's son at a distance, do the same for his friend? Why didn't he step in and stop the tragedy happening? When eventually Jesus arrives and gives the command to take away the stone from the tomb so that he can call Lazarus out and back to life, the first thing he does is pray, thanking God that he has heard his prayer. This must mean that before journeying to Beth Bethany, Jesus had prayed that Lazarus, though he died, would be ready to be raised back to life. Jesus is sovereign throughout. He knows what's going on. He knows what it will cost the family to go through this terrible time and knows 
what he will then do. This is a clue to how we should approach the whole question of understanding our present predicament. The Jesus who prayed, who's taking charge, who knows what he's going to do, this Jesus weeps at the tomb of his friend. The horror of death is overwhelming even for the Lord of life. Here we see divine control or taking charge, the central idea of kingly rule being redefined around Jesus. Come back to the tomb of Lazarus with all the tragedy of a global pandemic ringing in our ears. Mary and Martha both say that Lazarus' death is Jesus' fault. If he'd been there, he could have done something to stop it. Even the crowd asked, couldn't he have done something? The question echoes down through the years with every new tragedy, with every new plague or natural disaster. Why did God allow this? Why didn't God step in and stop it? Jesus just continues to trust his Father for what is about to happen. And the way forward is through tears. The Word made flesh weeps at the tomb of his friend. Grief is born out of love. Not to grieve, not to lament, is to slam the door on the place where love itself springs. With that authority born from a mixture of tears and trust, he commands Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And Lazarus is raised back to life. Dare we say that God the Creator, facing his world in meltdown, is himself in tears. Yes, if the story of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus is anything to go by. The God we see in Jesus is the one who demonstrates what his kind of being in charge looks like. Sovereignty is Jesus-shaped. It isn't an iron grip relentlessly controlling everything. It's God's loving, redemptive purpose for his suffering world. Jesus has shown the way through death to renewed life and will work that out in the end. At the very moment we find ourselves shedding tears of grief at the death of a loved one, we must remember that God is present at the heart of the agony of creation. Just like Jesus himself being hailed as King of the Jews when he shared the agony of the world on the cross. That's when the true depth of God's sovereignty is revealed. The church's mission began with a lockdown and tears and doubt. But the locked doors didn't stop Jesus. He came and stood among them. He shared a meal with them. The next week the disciples were in the same locked room. Thomas was assailed by doubt. He hadn't been there the first time. He'd spent the week telling the others he'd never believed Jesus was alive until he showed up and proved it was really him. Jesus came again and invited Thomas to touch and see the wounds in his hand and his side. If the earliest disciples found Jesus coming to meet them in their tears and doubt, we can too. We have to keep going. We have to be strong. Strong like Jesus who wept at the tomb of his friend. Strong like the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead and will give life to our mortal bodies too. 
but right now is pleading for us with groans too deep for words. Strong like the person who trusts in God's promises and expects neither easy answers nor easy words to say to the world. It can be hard, bitter anguish to live with a call to, to lament. There are no quick fix solutions for us to grab at so we don't have to face the pain, so we don't have to watch and pray like Jesus did in Gethsemane. It's hard to share the groaning of the spirit, but it's all part of the new creation coming to birth. As we lift up our eyes to see a vision of a new heaven and new earth, we need to lay down our stereotypical expectations of how God will bring this about. In lifting up our eyes and laying down our expectations, God will weave us into a tapestry of resurrection. So we need to see this bigger picture to get us through the bad times. We need to understand that Jesus' triumph over death and wrongdoing is central to our understanding of God's sovereignty. He doesn't always respond to the innermost desires of our hearts and heal and restore our loved ones, however precious they might be, or in our opinion how strategic they may be for the kingdom of God. The loose threads in our understanding may persist all our lifetime. When the world is going through great turmoil like the present time, we are called to be people who lament, pray and act in the place where the world is in pain. Our pain is still with us, but drawing strength from our common bonds, our shared humanity, we can endure the damn times. It's been a challenging year for my faith, and perhaps for some of you listening too. The sorrow doesn't go away, but I'm hanging on in there, trusting and waiting for that dazzling future that God has in store for us and his suffering world. That's why I am still a Christian. I will finish with some of the words of a poem called Easter 2020, written on the pandemic by Malcolm Guite. Good Friday happened in a thousand places, where Jesus held the helpless and died with them, that they might share his Easter in their need. Now they are risen with him, risen indeed.